Oh, okay. Well, hey, you know, welcome to church, folks. If this is your first time or your first time in a long time, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. And a huge welcome to everyone joining us online. Can we welcome those who join us online? Good to have you. <clears throat> Angelo and Delicia, we know that you're with Delicia with your mum in South Africa there as she goes through her treatment. We love you. We miss you. We're praying for you. God's with you. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy, eh, that little old Blenheim, uh, when we do something like this, that uh, we have people from around the world joining us online. So you're very welcome. Thank you for being here with us today. Well, are you ready? Good. Good. Are you going to take notes? Good. Because uh, theory proves those who take notes go to heaven. So, um, <laughs> hey? Here you go. It's all in there. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I'm just being my usual naughty self. Ooh. Last week, when Ryan brought the teaching, he, uh, he, he leveled a, a pretty powerful challenge to us all. Um, oh, yeah, we're going to do part two of what I started last, two weeks ago. So, um, although that's not the title of, of the message today, we're going to get to that. I need to give you a bit of an intro. But yeah, Ryan's challenge to us last week was amazing. This is what he said. Have we as Christians today succumbed to the instant culture of our current times? Do we want to see it all before we commit or step out in faithfulness? Because faithfulness requires endurance, and we need to let endurance finish the work. You know, we're, we're pretty good. I mean, I've, I've got to admit, there are times when I stand in front of the microwave and go, really? You're going to take that long? <laughs> and I think, about, uh, I think about my mum who learned to cook bread on a coal range. You never get bread like it, but it takes too long. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, it says this, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us, what? Develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You know, what Ryan was teaching us last week was about this wonderful exchange between us and God. And the words he used were, it's an exchange of our souls for the abiding presence and blessings of God. Now, that might sound a little odd this morning. You know, what, what I'm going to exchange my soul? But actually, when you realize the exceedingly abundantly above and more than, in actual fact, in the Amplified Vision, it says even more than you can dare to imagine, yeah, that's a challenge to someone like me. Because I got a really big imagination. But what Ryan was teaching is this marvelous event, this marvelous occurrence that happens at the moment when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. At that very moment, when we put our trust in Jesus, God literally puts his Holy Spirit in us. That's where the scriptures talk about being born again. You see, Right, right back at the beginning of the book, when Adam and Eve sinned and they broke that bond between humanity and between the creation and the creator, between humanity and God, it's like the spirit within them died and it needed to be born again. And that born again experience happens the minute we place our life, the minute we exchange our soul for something 
far more, exceedingly abundantly more beautiful than our own soul, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. Now, let me just add to this that we actually don't lose our soul, but we exchange the leadership of our soul. We actually, you know, I've, I've heard it this way. If you're flying a plane and Jesus is your co-pilot, switch seats. That is this beautiful, extravagant, hope-filled exchange. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says this, And this hope will not, dis- not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Reinhard Bonnke, a uh, famous missionary to Africa, who he, he would have rallies where millions of people would come. This is what he says, The Holy Spirit is the atmosphere of heaven itself, and heaven comes down here with him. I mean, how powerful is that? Eh? I mean, it's the very, Jesus is the, you know, we've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all equal and all, all, all complete in unity. And I'll unpack that a little bit more, but when the Holy Spirit himself comes, the very essence of heaven, it all comes with him. It all comes with him. Now, the Bible's got, look, honestly, the Bible's got so much teaching on this, I simply can't cover it all today. In Acts chapter 17, verse 28, the very first part, 28a, it says this, For in Him we live and move and have our being. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it teaches that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I, on my iPad, when I'm, I'm writing my notes on the YouVersion Bible app, I can highlight a verse and there's a tab that says compare. And I often hit the compare tab and I can, I can look at the same Bible verse in seven different translations of the Bible. I said, oh, I love that. And I, I did that with this verse in, in Romans 14, verse 17. And in the complete Jewish Bible, this is what it says. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, shalom, and joy in Ruach HaKodesh. Now, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, that phrase, that name will be familiar to you. But let me go back. But the kingdom of God is righteousness. What is righteousness? It is the quality of being right in the eyes of God, in character, that's in our nature, in conscience, that's in our attitude, in conduct, that's in our actions, and in command, that is in our words. Righteousness is based on God's standard. I heard it... um, I, I caught a little snippet of uh, one of the sessions that the girls were watching yesterday by um, Sharon uh, Ratnaraja, her and her wife Boyd are our national leaders of Elam, and she said, reality is not truth. I love the statement, reality is not truth. You see, truth never changes. Realities change all the time. And see, righteousness is based on God's standard. Righteousness is not based on today's reality. Because I can tell you right now, today's reality of righteousness is nothing compared to that reality five years ago. And it is a million miles away from the reality of 50 years ago. Righteousness is based on God's standard. And then the the, the kingdom of God is shalom. That is the Hebrew word, the Jewish word for peace. But it's so much more than that. Peace declares that peace and health are both complete and perfect. Another translation is nothing missing, nothing broken. That is shalom. And then joy, we think we have an understanding of the word joy, but joy is this from the Hebrew perspective. 
a perpetual gladness of the heart that comes from knowing, experiencing, and trusting Jesus. Joy is not based on a quick fix. Joy is not based on shopping, although some of us love shopping. Joy is not based on a really flash car, although some of us love cars. Joy is not based on jets. Some of us love jets. <laughs> Joy is based on that knowing and experiencing and trusting Jesus. And then, of course, in the, in the complete Jewish Bible, it talks about Ruach HaKodesh. Ruach being the Hebrew word for breath. HaKodesh, the Holy One, the breath of the Holy One. It is the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, when we know and understand that, then... John chapter 10, which is a verse 10, which is a very famous verse amongst Christians, where it says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I, that is Jesus, have come that you may have life, or that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Jesus says he's come that we would have abundant life. You know there's a word for that, abundant life? The word is flourishing. And so if you are taking notes, this is the name of this morning's message. Abundant life, flourishing. And you know what? Before we go anywhere else, I just, I just really want to pray that the Holy Spirit, who is the, the spirit of truth, will come and plant in our hearts this morning. God, of all the heavens and all the earth, Holy Spirit, that is you here on earth today. Would you come? Oh, spirit of truth and revelation, would you come and would you help us to shut out the noise of everything else except for your voice? And we read in the scriptures how the prophet stood on the mountain and there was an earthquake and a fire and a wind and you were not in any of those, but then there was this still small voice and it was you and I'm asking God that you'd help us to shut out the earthquake, the fire and the wind, shut out the noise so that we can hear your still small voice in Jesus' name. Amen. And all the kids in the hall went, rah! <laughs> that happened so many times, doesn't it? I'm just going to take that they weren't creating noise. They were just agreeing with my prayer. All right. You know, in the latter part of that verse out of John chapter 10, verse 10 that I read, it says this, that they may have life and that more abundantly. When I did the whole compare thing on my iPad, in that verse, in the, Passion's, in the Passion Translation, where it says they may have life more abundantly, it says this, life in its fullness until you overflow. You know, an overflowing life is more than just experiencing positive emotions. It's more than just experiencing positive interests and having a few wins on the left or the right. Overflowing life, flourishing life, it means that we live fulfilled with meaning and with purpose. A flourishing life is produced by the pursuit and engagement of an authentic spiritual life that brings inner joy. Remember, joy is a perpetual gladness of the heart that comes from knowing, experiencing, and trusting Jesus. I want you to think about that word perpetual. That means ongoing, never-ending. It actually, if I could use a really modern-day word, it means it's sustainable, now, does that mean we won't have emotions that go up and down? No, no, not at all. We are emotional because 
we were created in the image of our creator. And if you don't think God's emotional, just have a look at the Old Testament. <laughs> when God gets ticked off, nations tremble. <laughs> when God blesses, I mean, he is an emotional God. He loves, he feels, he has anger, he has joy, he weeps. But in the knowing that God, there is that perpetual, sustainable, ongoing joy that is available. A flourishing life means that we don't just flow, but we can overflow with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What do they sound like? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, they are the fruit of the Spirit. And I've often felt challenged myself during the day when I'm not feeling particularly patient. And I'm thinking... I need to get a little bit more fruity. Oh, no, no, I don't think that. I think I need a little bit more fruit from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you thought I was being serious, didn't you, Annie? Yeah. No, it just, if, if, I'm not feeling, if I'm not feeling too much peace or if I'm not feeling particularly kind, guess what? I need the Holy Spirit to bring what I can't. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The, the Scriptures teach us that, that we can't produce fruit if we're not part of the vine I mean, you take, a, you take a piece of a grapevine that's been removed from the vine itself and, and you go, make grapes. If it could talk, it'd go, don't be stupid, I'm not attached to the vine. We've got to be connected to the very source that helps produce the fruit in our life, amen? But guess what? Living this way, this overflowing life, it develops character and it develops strength and it develops resilience, which helps us walk through adversity. What's another word for that? Endurance. Maureen Broderson is an ordained minister and an author. She works in the Foursquare Church in Van Nuys in California. She wrote a book that's titled Victorious Spiritual Warfare. So simple, grandma can do it. And in her book, there's a quote from her book. One of the greatest blessings of all is Christ did not leave us alone. He left us himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. Not a percentage of the Holy Spirit, not a junior Holy Spirit. At the very moment we received Christ as our Savior and Lord, the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead became alive in us. When Jesus was hanging out with the disciples, uh, this is after he was crucified, buried, and risen again. He's, he's hanging out with the disciples, and he, he breaks the bad news <laughs> that he's leaving <laughs> again. But this is what he said in John chapter 16, verse 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. I just love that quote from Maureen Broderson, that he left us himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit should be revered. He's not this nebulous, ectoplasmic kind of piece of smoke that wafts in and out like a candle smoke. Or, you know, when you're walking through the woods and somewhere nearby has got a campfire and you go, there's a fire somewhere. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is God on earth today. Equal and complete and here and has been sent 
by God. He should be revered. He is sent from God for our good. He indwells us and he ushers in a new depth and a new dimension in our relationship with God the Father and God the Son. In actual fact, if I could quote Tom Cruise out of a a famous movie, Jerry Maguire, when he talked to his girlfriend and he said, you complete me? When you hang out with the Holy Spirit, that should be the beginning of your prayer. Holy Spirit, you complete me. See, he enables us to love Jesus and to live in his likeness. He emboldens us to share the hope of the gospel and he equips us to fulfill the unique calling that's on each of our lives. You know, if you want, if you want someone to champion you, there is no better person in the whole of the cosmos to champion you than the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, it says, this is Jesus talking to the disciples again. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know what, it's, it's, it's really easy. I say this carefully. It's really easy for us to forget or actually even worse to ignore the Holy Spirit when we are sure of our salvation. The question could be phrased, why do I need the Holy Spirit? I have Jesus. And I guess without understanding, that's a fair question. But my hope today is that by the time I get to the end of this message, you'll go, how blessed am I that I have both Jesus and the Holy Spirit? (laughs) See, in that scripture, most of the New Testament was written, its original language that it was written in was Greek. And the word helper, when it's translated into English, or from, from English to Greek, so the word helper translated back into Greek, the word is parakletos. And it literally means one who is called to one side. Oh, I love that, because numerous times throughout the scriptures, it says it, That God and Jesus, and oh, now the Holy Spirit says, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. The Holy Spirit, Parakletos, is the one called to one side. But here's the thing. When it says, the Holy Spirit's not just any helper. Jesus didn't say that God will send the helper. He says he'll send another helper. And we've got to really understand this. We've got to dig into the Word of God. See, the Greek word for another is actually translated into alon, spelled A-double-L-O-N. I often, when I read that, I went, oh, I should put a hyphen and go, all on. It's all on. <laughs> because that word, alon, that sounded French, didn't it? I don't know how to sound Greek. But in its context, it means another of the same kind. So that completely backs up with what Maureen Brodison said, that Jesus sent us himself, essentially in another form. Jesus is assuring his disciples, you see, they totally get this. They totally get this. Jesus is assuring the disciples, and now us, that the Holy Spirit isn't less than, he's not even similar to, but he is just like him. 
And he will what? Come alongside. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they coexist in complete unity, in completeness. They are complete in eternity. They are eternal, no beginning and no end. They are omnipresent. That means existing everywhere at all times. They are omniscient, which means they have all knowledge. They know everything. And they are omnipotent, which means all-powerful. They are the complete three-in-one Godhead. And the Holy Spirit's presence today is the manifestation of the Trinity of God here today. I mean, let's just, let, just let that bake your noodle. Through the Holy Spirit, we have God the Father and God the Son in God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Parakletos is, honestly, it is a double axle wheelbarrow word. It is so full of meaning. It doesn't just mean one who comes alongside, but when you unpack it, it also means that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our counselor, our advocate, our strengthener, our intercessor, and our champion. Honestly, does it get any better than that? That was a good place. To, yeah, that was a good place to go. No and amen. <laughs> no, it doesn't get any better. Amen. Yes, let it be. Yeah, I just I mean, honestly, the, I mean, I, I've lost count of the number of times I have preached this to myself in the last five days. But knowing knowing that God himself through the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us as believers, the dramatic power to change how we live is immeasurable. It's, there are a number of, of Greek words that describe the Holy Spirit. One is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, I think it is, pneuma, which means wind. It's from that Greek word pneuma that we get pneumatic. Another one is dunamis, and I talked about this a couple of days, dunamis, which means power. Dunamis from where we get the word dynamite. Oh, as a boy, I just want to, I love to go blow things up. <laughs> but we get the breath of God. We get the dynamic, explosive power of God. Everything that he is, because he indwells, is ours. His power, his wisdom, his strength, his joy, his peace, his comfort, his love. God manifests all of himself in us and his people through his Holy Spirit. If that's not life-changing, maybe we need to go and get the paddles and just check your pulse. We have a defib out in the hallway. Does anybody want me to grab it right now? <laughs> we have those who've got first aid certificates if I get it wrong. <laughs> but that there... His power, his wisdom, his strength, his joy, his peace, his comfort, his love. With that indwell, if that's not flourishing, what is? I don't care what the all blacks say, there is no amount of wheat bix that can beat that. Why is this so important for us to get today? If you are struggling to love an unlovable person. If you are struggling to forgive an offense that the world says is unforgivable, 
If you're struggling to heal from a devastating heartbreak, and come on, guys, let's be real. These are all real. But the Holy Spirit not only wants to help you, He is able to help you. He is the one that comes alongside. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will take you by the hand. And even, even when you do not know what to say, the scriptures say he does. It just doesn't get any better than that. And if you want me to give you a real life biblical example of what is just setting me on fire today, allow me to give it to you this morning. I believe that there are three devastating weapons that the enemy uses. In, in Greek mythology, there is a three-headed dog called Cerberus. And I believe these three things make up the three heads of a three-headed, snarling, slobbering dog. They are guilt, shame, and fear. And if there are three things that dog people today, it is guilt, shame, and fear. And it stops them stepping into everything that God wants them to do. It stops people stepping into the unique calling that God has given them. And in John chapter 8, there is an account of a, a, a woman who was caught in adultery. And it shows, in this account, it shows the power of the Holy Spirit working through Jesus. Let me read you, let me read you this story. And actually, if, if I can ask you to do what I do, can you put yourself in the story? Now, I'm not asking you to be the woman, okay? Put yourself in the crowd. Put yourself in the crowd, because there is literally a crowd that is gathered at this point, because Jesus is actually teaching in the temple, okay? So, okay, you're, you're the crowd that's in the temple, all right? So you're the observers. I want you to watch this. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? How pious and how arrogant. You see, they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. And he stood up again and he said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he bent down and continued writing. We don't know how long he was doing that for. Verse 9 says this, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with this woman. Then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. 
neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, Jesus, whom we know through the Scriptures, was filled with the Holy Spirit because we read about his account when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove. He literally saves this woman's life. He literally gives her hope and he literally sends her away with a sense of renewed wholeness and purpose. What does he do? Jesus removed her fear. Where are your accusers? All the accusations had gone. He then removes her shame when he says, didn't even one of them condemn you? Neither do I. And then he removes her sin, sorry, her guilt. Go and sin no more. Jesus literally gives this woman life, hope, and purpose. Now, perhaps, perhaps some would say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Where's the justice? Where's the consequences for her sin? I mean, doesn't the scripture say in John 16, verses 8 and 9, and when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. You know what? Yes, it does. The Bible does teach that. But it also teaches in John chapter 14, verse 26, so two chapters prior to that. But the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And he will help you remember everything I've told you. I'd, I'd like to suggest this morning that in that situation, that poor woman did not need conviction of sin. In actual fact, she had a rabid mob of arrogant, self-righteous Jesus haters who were doing a very good job of that. I would suggest this morning that what she needed was an advocate I would suggest this morning that what she needed was a counselor. What she needed was comfort. What she needed was someone who would come along and stand beside. Now, let me just give you a little side note because some may say, but the Bible law of the day sentenced her. You know what? You're right. It did sentence her. She literally was caught in the act of adultery and the law of the day said that she should be stoned to death. But Jesus himself didn't say, he didn't say, I came to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law, I complete the law. I want you to understand the dynamics of this situation because the law also said that there must be two or three witnesses to the crime. And guess what? Every single accuser had walked away. So Jesus, by law, could not and would not accuse this woman because he had no one to back him up. So in that point where the only person alive on the earth who was actually qualified to throw a stone, Jesus, who had never sinned, did not even accuse this woman. But he removed her fear, he removed her shame, and he removed her guilt. Everything God has given us is a blessing. But it's not for us to grow haughty and self-righteous. Actually, you know what? In recognition of how much we have been forgiven, we're to live from that blessing and to be a blessing to others. John verse chapter 7. Jesus stood in the temple and he shouted to the crowd, Anyone 
who was thirsty. Might need to jump forward a couple there, please, uh, Joe. John chapter 7, verse 37, 39. Next one, there we go. Jesus stood and shouted, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from their heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who would be given to everyone beginning believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. You know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit enables us to live like Jesus lived. How did he live? Jesus loved his enemies. He forgave his accusers. And he brought wholeness and healing to the broken. Where there were strongholds of sin that needed broken, where there was spiritual warfare that needed to be won, where there was toxic thinking that needed a breakthrough, that's where the Holy Spirit works. And that's where he is able to work through in and out of us. Everything we need is inside us because the Holy Spirit resides there. Even more greater things than these. More than we can dare to hope or imagine.